0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brooks Jensen, Anacortes, Washington. Master and Man by Leo Tolstoy. Section 9. Staggering up to the sledge, Vasily grasped hold of it and stood for a long time without moving as he endeavoured to steady himself and regain his breath. There was nothing to be seen of Nikita in his old position, but in the sledge there lay something heaped with snow, which Vasily guessed to be his servant. Vasily's terrors had now vanished, or if any were left, it was merely lest he should have a return of the horrible panic which he had experienced on the cob's back, and, still more, when he found himself left in the snowdrift. At all costs he must not give way to that panic again, and if he would avoid that, he must be up and doing something, must be occupying his thoughts with something. First of all, he planted himself with his back to the wind, and unfastened his fur coat to cool himself. Then, when he had regained his breath a little, he shook the snow off his boots and left-hand mitten—the other one was hopelessly lost and probably lying somewhere a couple of inches below the snow—and refastened his belt tightly, much as he was accustomed to do when he was about to step out of his store to buy cartloads of grain which the Moujiks had brought. This done, he set about exerting himself. The first thing which it occurred to him to do was to disentangle the cob's leg, and, the halter thus freed, he tied Brownie up to the rim of the splashboard where he had been tied before. Next, he had just gone behind the cob to straighten the crooper, sacking, and saddlepiece on his back, when he saw something stir in the sledge, and then the head of Nikita emerged from beneath the snow which covered it. The frozen man raised himself a little, though evidently with a great effort, and made a strange gesture with his hand in front of his face, as though he were brushing away a fly. As he did this, he seemed to Vasili to be saying something, probably Vasili's name, so the latter left the sacking unstraightened and stepped up to the sledge. "'How is it with you now?' he asked. "'And what are you trying to say?' "'Only that I—' "'I am dying,' answered Nikita, with difficulty and in gasps. "'Give my wages to the little lad or to the wife. "'It does not matter which.' "'Are you frozen, then?' said Vasily. "'Yes, and dying. "'I know it quite well,' replied Nikita in a choking voice, "'and still fluttering his hand before his face as though to brush away a fly. "'Pardon me for Christ's sake.' For about half a minute Vasily stood without moving and in silence, and then all at once, and with the same air of decision as marked him when he had struck hands over a good bargain, he took a step backwards, tucked up the sleeves of his coat, and began with both hands to rake the snow off Nikita and out of the sledge. This done, he unhooked his belt, opened his fur coat, pushed Nikita hastily into a straight posture— and lay down upon him in such a way that the latter should be covered, not only with the coat, but with Vasily's own warm, overheated body. With one skirt of the coat tucked between Nikita's form and the side of the sledge, and the tail of it grasped between his ankles, Vasily remained lying prone, with his head resting upon the splashboard, and his ears deaf either to the movements of the cob or to the howling of the wind but intent only on listening to Nikita's breathing. For a long time Nikita lay without moving. Then he gave a deep sigh and stirred faintly. "'There you are, you see, and yet you talk of dying,' began Vasily. "'Just you lie still and grow warm, and we—' To his great surprise, Vasily found that he could say no more, for tears were welling from his eyes— and his lower jaw was working. He broke off short, and swallowed a lump in his throat. "'How absurdly weak and nervous I have made myself,' he thought. Yet not only did he find this weakness far from unpleasant, but it actually gave him a sensation of joy as he had never yet experienced. "'Yes, we shall manage it all right like this,' he said to himself, conscious of a rapturous feeling of emotion.' After this, he lay for a long time in silence, merely wiping his eyes against the fur of the coat, and tucking back its right-hand skirt as the wind blew it up at intervals. But at length he felt as though he must communicate his joy to a fellow creature. "'Nikita,' he said. "'That is better. I am getting warm now,' came from underneath him. "'Nikita, my old friend, I thought we were done for. You would have been frozen.' and I—' Once more Vasily's cheeks started quivering, and his eyes filled with tears, so that he could say no more. "'No, it is no good,' he said to himself. "'Yet I know what I know,' and he remained silent. Still he lay there. Warmth seemed to be passing into his body from Nikita below and from the fur coat above. Only the hands with which he held the skirts of the coat against Nikita's sides and his feet, from between which the wind kept blowing the skirts away, were beginning to feel frozen. His mittenless right hand, in particular, felt numbed. Yet he never thought of his hands or feet, only how he could best warm the peasant who was lying beneath him. More than once he glanced at the cob and saw that its back was uncovered, since the sacking had now slipped off altogether and was lying in the snow he felt as if he ought to go and cover the animal over again yet could not make up his mind to leave nikita even for a moment and thus break the spell of that rapturous joy which now possessed him as for his terrors they had long since fled away by heavens i am not going to be beaten he said to himself with reference to his efforts to warm nikita speaking indeed in just the same boastful tone in which he had been accustomed to speak of his sales or purchases. He lay for an hour, for two, for three, but took no heed of the passing time. At first there danced before his vision dim pictures of the storm, of the shafts, of the cob under his high dugout. Then these pictures became exchanged for jumbled memories of the festival, of his wife— of the stanovoi and of the candle-locker but beneath the picture of the candle-locker lay nikita then again he saw the moujiks trading with him and the white iron-roofed walls of his house but beneath the picture of those walls again lay nikita then everything became confused. One thing ran into another, until at last these various scattered impressions came together as the colors of a rainbow merge into a beam of white light, and he fell asleep. For long he slept without dreaming. But just before the dawn came, there also came some sleep visions. He seemed to be standing by the candle-locker, while old mother Tikhonova was asking him for a five-kopeck candle for the festival. He tried to take the candle out and give it to her, but his hands remained glued in his pockets. Then he tried to walk round the locker, but his legs refused to move, and his new, clean shoes stuck fast to the stone floor, so that he could not even raise his feet to take the shoes off. Then suddenly the locker was not a locker at all, but a bed— and on that bed Vassili could see himself lying face downwards, lying on his own bed at home. He was lying on the bed and could not rise, although it was necessary for him to do so. Seeing that Ivan Matveitch, the stanovoy, was coming to see him presently, and he must go with Ivan either to buy some timber or to put the crooper straight on the cobs' back, he could not be sure which. He kept asking his wife, "'Has he not come yet, Mikhailovna?' and she kept answering him, "'No, not yet.' Then he could hear someone driving up to the steps outside. Surely it must be he. But no, the vehicle had driven past. "'Is he not come yet, Mikhailovna?' he asked his wife once more, and once more she replied, "'No, not yet.' Thus he lay, and lay upon the bed, unable to rise, and ever waiting." waiting. And the waiting was at once painful and joyous. Suddenly the joy of it was filled to the full. He for whose coming he had been waiting was now at hand, and it was not Ivan Matveitch, nor anyone else. Yet still it was the man for whom he had been waiting. He entered, did that man, and called him. And this man who had called him cried out to him again, and bade him go "'and lie down upon Nikita. "'And Vasily was glad that this someone had come. "'Yes, I will go,' he cried in his joy. "'And with that cry Vasily awoke. "'Yes, he awoke, but awoke a very different man "'to what he had been when he fell asleep. "'He tried to rise and could not. "'He tried to move his hand and could not. "'He tried to move his leg and could not. "'Then he tried to turn his head but that also he could not do. This surprised him, yet in no way troubled him. Then he remembered that Nikita was lying beneath him, and that Nikita was growing warm and coming back to life. It seemed to him that he was Nikita, and Nikita he, and that his life was no longer within himself, but within Nikita. He strained his ears till he caught the sound of breathing, yes, the faint, deep breathing of Nikita. Nikita is alive, he cried to himself in triumph, and therefore so also am I. Then he began to think about his money, his store, his house, his sales and purchases, and Mironov's millions. He could not understand how that man, whom men called Vasily Brokhanov, could bear to interest himself in such things as he did. That man can never have known "'What is the greatest thing of all?' he thought of this Vasily Brokinov. "'He can never have known what I know. "'Yes, I know it for certain now. "'At last I know.' "'Once again he heard the man calling him who had called to him before, "'and his whole being seemed to respond in joy and loving kindness as he replied, "'I am coming, I am coming.' for he felt that he was free at last, and that nothing could hold him further. And indeed nothing further than that did Vasily Andreyitch see or hear or feel in this world. Around him the tempest still kept on. The same swirlings of snow kept circling in eddies, and covering the coats of the dead Vasily Andreyitch, and the trembling brownie and the sledge now almost invisible, and stretched out upon its floor the now reviving Nikita as he lay prone beneath the body of his dead master. This ends Section 9.